So today, in honor of our episode, I uh, was going to wear my suspenders, but I forgot them. Your suspenders? Yes, they're my suspenders of disbelief. Because we're talking about disbelief. Stay tuned. Yeah, yeah, I got it. Stay tuned. (laughs) Good day, everybody. Welcome to Writers Get Animated. I'm Chris Leva. And I'm Mackenzie Worrell. And today we're talking about suspending your disbelief in animation. So what makes it about watching something in animation, watching cartoons that makes us forget what reality is and go along with whatever reality there is in the show. Or anything for that matter, but specifically, why does animation do it better? Right. And we chose one prime example. I mean, we have several things that we're going to discuss as we get into the conversation. But our one example this week is DuckTales, episode nine of season one, the episode called Armstrong. I'm already jamming out to the theme song in my head. Yeah, how can you not? That theme song is remarkable. So if you're a DuckTales fan, get ready to... Tail the duck? No. I was gonna, I was gonna say, I was making a crack the egg. Ooh, that's kind of violent. Thing. Yeah, I know, context. but crack... We're, we're gonna break it down. That's what they say, right? We're gonna break it down, we're gonna see why things work, why things don't work, but why do we just go with it? Maybe your graph should be called that when we get that. Maybe the why we go with it. Yeah. This is spoilers for the rest of the episode. There's right. a graph. There's a graph. Yeah. Sorry. I, th- I, th- I think the, I think your graph should be the go with it. Okay. The go with it graph. Yeah. That's how, mm, I don't know. No, we'll send it out with a real finalized title when this episode actually airs. Okay. So um, suspending your disbelief. If you didn't know, suspending your disbelief is, um, when you kind of, your brain goes, okay, I'm into this. And you just kind of don't think critically about what's happening. Um, like part of what is so successful about like going and seeing um, like Evil Knievel in person or something like that is you don't suspend your disbelief. You believe that Evil Knievel is going to fall and die and you're so interested in seeing him escape that. And it's, I don't know, I'm, I'm talking about real world first. Real world okay, where yeah. there's no suspension of disbelief. Right. The real world is you believe, you know the rules of the world that you live in because it's reality. Yeah, physics. Depending and on your your philosophy of life, I suppose, how yeah. narcissistic or other how things How people you are, interact. You know. Normal, sane people most of the time. Because, um, yeah, we have, we have laws of gravity. I was going to say laws of people. That too. People laws. People laws. But also rules of how our world works. Mm-hmm. So we know what the world does if somebody jumps. Mm-hmm. And then as you get to the more and more animated things, the rules can change. Like we have, like if you see the Lord of the Rings movies, you know that there are laws to how this world works um, that are different than ours. Uh, but you're willing to buy into it once you learn more about how that works. And as you get closer to animation, you don't have to think about how it works as much. Which is a confusing way to say that. I'll refine it as we talk. <laughs> Let's hope so. Let's hope we <laughs> both are able to refine this. So, um, suspending your disbelief comes from whom? I'm going to have to say the name. You don't have to say the name. I was Samuel just... Taylor Coolridge. Who coined the phrase in his 
Frage is phrase. <laughs> I mispronounced the word phrase because I was afraid of saying yes. Coleridge wrong. Karma. Samuel Taylor Coleridge, who coined the phrase in his Biographia Liter Literaria. Biographia Literaria. Published in 1817. 1817. <laughs> in the context of um, reading this, reading different kinds of poetry, um, do we want to do the quote? Yeah, I let's do the quote. quote. Do you want to read the quote? Do you want okay. me to read the quote? In a voice or just my voice? Are we going to do the um, Coolridge voice? In this idea originated the plan of the lyrical ballads, in which it was agreed that my endeavors should be directed to persons and characters supernatural, or at least romantic. And here he's talking, of course, not about romantic as in love story, but romantic as in that period of literature. Sorry, subnote. Yet so as to transfer from our inward nature a human interest and a semblance of truth sufficient to procure for these shadows of imagination that willing suspension of disbelief for the moment, which constitutes poetic faith. I like that you're applotting yourself. No one would know. I wanted to apply. Unless you called me out for plotting. Oh, wait, no, wait, sorry. I guess that was Mackenzie clapping for Samuel Taylor Coleridge. Yes. Thank you, Samuel, for joining us today yes. on our podcast. Um, as, you would as you would expect um, in a podcast about animation and cartoons discussing 1817 poetry literary analysis. Uh, for suspending your disbelief, but we want to we always like to go to the source of where things are because You know the genre and in a lot of ways genre allows you to key into the world Rules of the world that you're going to be experiencing and watching so that way your suspension of disbelief can go in mm -hmm. so if let's say a movie title for me um, begins with the word star followed by the word wars Okay. I know that my my brain and all logic is going to switch off so that way I can just enjoy whatever is going to happen. Yeah, yeah, you're watching those amazing space battles. You go, yes, of course, X-Wings make sound in space. I knew it. And things catch on fire in space and just they keep burning and R2-D2 has to put out the fire. Yes, atmosphere is there. Lots of things. And gravity and all, oh, it just all works. And you lightsabers just, as a whole. Right, lights. That's because of the crystal. The crystal in, inside of the handle. The hilt. It's... It all... I'm not going to defend lightsabers to you right now <laughs> on this podcast. But... But you, you know the genre. You know the world. And you take that and it allows for varying degrees of... Um, acceptance mm -hmm. of that world and those rules. Um, whether that is something to do with magic. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a couple of show examples that delve into sort of the magical world. But before we say that, animation on its own, since its beginnings, um, I mean, way beyond when it was first animated, when Disney was doing things like Alice's Adventures um, and doing things such as the old Oswald cartoons in the very beginning, Mickey Mouse and Warner Brothers was doing their their cartoons um it was just outlandish because you could do anything mm -hmm. because nothing existed on that paper you could make it do whatever you wanted to and thinking critically about other movies at the time that was the only place really at the time you could do fantastic things yes yes we could have i'm trying to think of other what are some classic effects from old movies um 
Uh, think hard I'm trying to think. There's the, I forget the name of the movie. It's a silent movie, and it's based on um, Thomas Hardy's novel, Tess of the D'Urbervilles, and there's a famous sequence where they're trying to cross an ice flow, and it just looks super cheesy in retrospect. Or really like any bank robbery in retrospect. Um, monster movies, like classic monster movies, you think about the lightning where it's just like a transparent piece of paper with lightning in it and they flash a light bulb behind it and it looks kind of cheesy. Right. They, they didn't have the tools to make it look realistic. However, those audiences bought it because they were sitting in the audience and seeing these kinds of things for the first time. They had no other frame of reference. Mm-hmm. So they were allowed to be undiscerning because, hey, this was just there. And it, oh my gosh, something's on the screen and it's huge and it's coming at us and it's amazing. And mm-hmm. But with animation and, and Oswald, you know, he's able to rip off his leg and kiss it because it's a rabbit's foot and he can like kiss it and like, oh, for good luck and then plop it right back on his body and it'd be okay. Mm-hmm. Or just play open up a, the mouth of a horse and start playing his teeth like a xylophone like you do you're able to i guess okay we'll we'll get to that <laughs> so it's like you do um because that's what happens when you open up a horse's mouth you are then able to play like a xylophone mm-hmm. right you just expect these things so and these are the clever twists that really defined early animation like with looney tunes right like suddenly Bugs goes behind a bush and then he's in some kind of cross-dressing mariachi outfit. I don't know. Not mariachi. Fruit head. Carmen Fruit. Miranda. Yeah. You can just, you can just, yeah. Um, a mariachi um, outfit is slightly different. I, I know. That's why I tried to correct myself. That's okay. I know I was, that wasn't the word I was looking for. I apologize if you uh, belong to a mariachi band and you are listening to our podcast. I know what you do and I respect your profession. Um, Chris is looking at me disappointed. Let's just jump. <laughs> Let's just keep going. So what are, what are some shows that ask us to suspend our disbelief? Well, let's. we came up with a couple of different categories. So things like magic. Do you believe in magic kind of worlds? Um, high tech, where the technology is just crazy. And then just going back to the classics of talking animals. Mm-hmm. So each of these kinds of shows begs you to believe in the world in a different way and how far can you believe these worlds um so do you believe in magic something like doc mcstuffins she has a magic stethoscope which awakens the toys Mm -hmm. and i have not watched the episode where she gets the stethoscope for the first time um apparently her magic comes from her grandmother so i've not watched that episode i've I've been putting it off so i apologize raggedy ann's coming to life i would watch historical doc mcstuffins yeah, about where, where the stethoscope came, stethoscope came from. Yeah, like 1930s era. Grandma Doc McStuffins. Grandma McStuffins. Grandma McStuffins? I'm not certain. As okay. again, I have not watched that episode, so mm-hmm. I don't have a lot of... I know that the grandmother gave her the stethoscope. And that's the other thing that happens with suspension of disbelief. You suddenly expounding on the rules in your head, and this is where we get things like wondering how the powers worked back then. And then your Fanon just starts to go a little crazy. I prefer headcanon. You do now? I know Fanon, which was my thing versus the real internet thing. Is Fanon my thing? Fanon is your thing. I prefer Fanon. Fanny? Fanon. 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 Uh, right. Fanon. The fan canon. Yeah. As opposed to what the internet calls a head cannon. Yeah. 
Because I just think of the Futurama episode where they're... The guy with the... The cannon. That's what a guy can do. He's really showing you what a guy with a cannon in his chest can do. Yeah. Like that episode. Yeah. And that's a good example of suspending your disbelief. Time slipping. Right. (laughs) That episode just asks you to believe that there are chronotons in the atmosphere, but we haven't gotten to that. Chronotons and graviolis. Right. (laughs) They're going freaky deaky with... uh, no, that was something else. That was the episode where they were in the tar pits, mm-hmm. which we'll get to. Yeah. But <laughs> Too much Futurama. Right. So we'll if stop. I say there's a show that involves magic, what do we, without knowing what that show specifically is, what do you just assume is going to happen if I say, oh yeah, this is a show, you should watch it. It's a magic show. Not a, a magic show, but it's a show about <laughs> magic. Right. Or has a magical element yes. in there. What, do your, what does your mind say? I start looking to wizards. Mm-hmm. Witches of some kind, mm-hmm. um, transformation kind of things. I'm looking for like spells that for some reason are, are visible to the human eye or you have to say something to make right. it happen. Incantations, yeah. different things that way. Mm-hmm. Um, being able to, to control things and control nature. Mm-hmm. So I, I feel like the character of Storm fits better in a magic show. Storm is... Yeah, she's she's a witch. As opposed to being higher evolution of some kind, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So um, this would be something like uh, Doc McStuffins, we said, uh, Steven Universe with the gems. Mm. Mm. Yeah. I yeah. would say there's magic. It's magic. There. It's like sci-fi and magic. Well, how sci-fi is being a, a magical gem being? I mean... How sci-fi is Star Wars? I was going to get to Star Wars. <laughs> you didn't let me say Star Wars. I was going to add Star Wars to this list of magic. The force itself is magic, though it tries to explain itself in terms of science, which it, it cannot. It's um, magic slash, we would say, fantasy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Fantasy is expanded into this science kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> science fantasy ish really fantasy is at the root of everything in a lot of ways yeah mm-hmm. um legend of Korra, i would call that magic would you call that oh yeah i definitely also think like rustic worlds like i think a lot of ocean travel i don't know why you think <laughs> ocean travel speaks to a magic that's what you're yeah, gonna get i think in a it's magic it's because i grew up on like the uh on Ursula K. Le Guin's uh, Wizard of Earthsea series. Mm. And there's a lot of ocean travel in those. Yeah. Because it has to be because magic doesn't exist in the modern world. Mm-hmm. Until you get things like, you know, Mr. Potter and yeah. his ilk. There's a lot of like hidden lands and magic. Like right. especially if it's modern. Like, oh, we have to go to this distant far off place that no regular human can get to. Exactly. Mm-hmm. In order to find it. Yeah. Being so, chosen. Prophecy usually of some kind. Yeah. Um, Star versus the forces of evil. Mm-hmm. Alternate dimensions that. of magic. Yes. But having a specific wand yeah. and how the wand works, but having rules to the wand. So each of those magic fantasy shows is built on. And you know what? Specifically evil as well. Evil. Evil is something I associate with magic. Being a, being present. As yeah. A, as evil a, is a concept in a show. Okay. I'm not saying it's not in other shows, but I think it's especially prevalent in like those magic shows. There's evil. Evil is a is a presence. Yeah. Or they say evil, or there's something who's defined as evil in some way. 
Not so much in the Doc McStuffins world, I would say, but... Yeah, not always, not always. <laughs> not in every show, but, like, you're more likely to find, like, something explicitly called evil in a magic show than you would a sci-fi show. Got it. So, let's move to sci-fi, then. Mm -hmm. Let's talk high-tech. Mm -hmm. How high-tech is your tech? I, I didn't... It, that's like a kid's book set in the future about body modification for children. Yeah, I didn't... It's like, is your mama a llama? But how high-tech is your tech? A story by Dr. Seuss. His grandson. Okay. Um, <laughs> so, high-tech. We're looking at things like the Avengers. Yeah. Avengers Assemble. Um, Avengers, which is also magic with the superpowers and stuff like that. But it's technology They rooted. try to write it off as not magic, though. Yeah. They try to write it off as, hey, this is... These are science alien type things, but it goes so far that I think it does brush up against fantasy. Super science is magic. Oh. But it's rooted in science, but um, I'm trying to think of other good science. Rooted in animations. science, but it goes really, really far. Captain Bucky O'Hare. Captain Bucky O'Hare and the little people. I don't <laughs> I don't know why I keep wanting to say that. Why do I keep wanting to say that? <laughs> and the Toad Wars. Cap Bucky O'Hare and the Toad Wars. What is this what is that? Why do I keep wanting to say that? I don't know. Um, what are some other good sci-fi cartoon shows? Uh, Futurama. Futurama. Um, it's just a big, big sci-fi. All of it's built on. It's crazy sci-fi. Star Trek the Animated Series. Yes. DuckTales has a lot of sci-fi in it, which yeah. is weird. Well, I was trying to think of like where our concept of the modern robot comes from, which will come back to later because like robots started in in 1929 and Carl Capek's play Rossum's Universal Robots 1929 1919 somewhere in there um and robots were just they looked like you and I they were people but they were manufactured on the inside there was an explicit like oh they're machines so, and then Metropolis was based on that and it still looked like a person generally I think cartoons probably gave us like the very mechanical man look right because they had to have a way to distinguish the robot from the reality. Yeah. Especially if you're working with, as we will find out in a little bit, a talking duck versus a robot. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> so. Yeah. Um, I'm really interested in that now. <laughs> uh, what, what else is sci-fi? Uh, we get things like, well, Ghostbusters a little bit, but that goes to fantasy. Mm-hmm. But they have their high tech to be able to catch yeah. the ghosts, which are fantasy or paranormal. Johnny Quest is an adventure show, but there's a lot of like technology involved in that as well. Mm -hmm. And there's fantasy, but I'm thinking specifically like the the famous spider eye robot thing. Uh, what else <clears throat> is out there? Scooby Doo has mm -hmm. some technology. Yeah, that is a sci-fi TV show. <laughs> it's always mirrors. But I think Scooby-Doo then straddles the, the next topic, which is animals. Mm -hmm. Talking animals. Which is unique as an origin to animation. Yes. I think. Well, no, that's a lie. Aesop's fables. Literature. Okay, okay, fine. Not unique, but our specific iteration we're thinking of is, of course, rooted in animation. Oswald the Rabbit, Bugs Bunny, Mickey Mouse... Daffy Duck, Roger Rabbit, lots of rabbits. Yeah, Tom and Jerry. Mm -hmm. um, Huckleberry Hound. 
Speedy Gonzalez. I have to say him out loud because he doesn't get enough love. That's true. Well, he's getting a movie. <laughs> Wait, for real? Yeah, for real. A re for real movie. I thought it was a fake movie. No, he's it's getting, a real movie? He's getting a real movie. Oh my God, I'm so excited. Yeah, Speedy Gonzalez. It's like a heist film, I believe. <laughs> I don't know how, but I know, I know that it's coming out and mm -hmm. I'm, I'm pretty excited about it. Um, well. But, uh, and lately we've been getting things like, I mean, we get Wabbit yeah. bringing back the Looney Tunes characters. We get funny animals are back in and I'm really into it. We Bear Bears. Yeah, We Bear Bears. And We Bear Bears plays with the idea of talking animal because most of the animals don't talk. It's just the bears typically behave like bears, but people accept them as people. And who speak. Yeah. And serve food at food trucks with their California zones. <laughs> um, Bojack Horseman. Bojack Horseman, Zootopia. Uh, yeah, Zootopia was bringing that back. It had been a long time but since on the big screen, mm -hmm. Disney had done a talking animal in that way. Well, there's a lot of, if you look at the slate of animated movies coming out this year, there's almost all of them involve a talking animal as a main character in some way. Hmm. And that really went out of vogue for about 15 to 20 years. Mm -hmm. you'd, have a, you'd have a sidekick animal, but that sidekick animal, uh, for example, Tangled, mm -hmm. if, if we get our, our little iguana, um, and no, he's a chameleon. What did I just say? Oh, I, I lost so much Disney credit. Oh. Anyway, Taking your card. Please take it. I'll, I'll earn it back at some point. <laughs> so Pascal, the chameleon, and Maximus, the horse. Mm -hmm. You get those two, but they don't speak. Yeah, it's trying to root itself in realism. And I think there was a big drive for realism in the 2000s mm -hmm. as CGI really became a thing that made... We want things to look real, which translated to dark and gritty. Right. But, Transformers anything. But we had a, the Aladdin we had a little bit mixing in there because we had a, a boo, a talk, the monkey who never spoke, mm -hmm. but could do Abu, pantomime. Abu had words. He had words. Masked but, by squeaks, but those, those were words. And Iago who spoke clearly. Yeah. Um, though you could argue that as a parrot, he could speak because parrots in the real world speak. And can say words, not that well, but they I can. I would say parrots can say words. I don't know if they speak. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Fine but, lines. But You're I'm welcome, biologist, say, at the back of the room. But what I'm trying to say, you, you, you know what I'm trying to say. Between if you're trying to make that a reality of, of Aladdin, you have the, the monkey and you have the parrot, and the parrot's able to speak. And the tiger. And the tiger, who doesn't speak either. Mm. Um. What's the name of the, uh, Raja? Mm -hmm. Dear God, you're messing up. I'm on a. I, uh, there's something not right. I have to access those files again. Pascal the chameleon. Got to rebuild your directory. Yeah, <laughs> it's like <laughs> hang on, library's been corrupted. I need yeah. to rebuild the thumbnails. Uh, so, are there things? Can we think of animated shows where we, or anything really, where we don't buy it? When can we? F when do we fail to suspend our disbelief? I think in a lot of ways that we start that CG um, mm -hmm. has, and I think because of the Uncanny Valley and us, what? Which we're stealing from 30 Rock. No, no, it's a, it's a thing. The Uncanny Valley is a true <laughs> thing. 
There are articles. I will I will send them out. The okay. articles on what the un uncanny valley is. Okay. Tina Fey, as wonderful as she is, did not create the uncanny valley. Fine. As great as Tina Fey is, she did I not. I want to give her credit for everything. I want to give Tina Fey as much credit as she deserves, but she does not deserve credit for the uncanny valley. Fine. It's something in terms of robotics and animation on how close to human behavior we can get before it starts feeling creepy. Mm -hmm. um, and generally things like um, one of the big animation ones was the um, Final Fantasy movie. Oh, yeah. That, oh, I saw that. That was bad. Where it was just creepy because things were real and they looked really real, but then they really didn't. Mm -hmm. and, and Polar Express was a Polar Express Maybe a better pretty, mainstream example. <laughs> well, Polar, right. Polar Express <laughs> got really close. Uh, is that the world within or the fire within or what is that? The Final Fantasy one? I can't remember the, um, the subtitle. To I it. can't remember. There was some the spirits within. Yeah, that sounds within, right. I feel like that. I've repressed it. That was like the summer I saw Jurassic Park three. It was but, a lot of bad um, choices. Beowulf was another one. Um, mm. The Robert Zemeckis Beowulf. Um, anything where they look too real but not real enough mm -hmm. like there's not enough difference i would throw it against the humans in shrek mm. as battling up against the uncanny valley versus the humans in um the incredibles where the humans in the incredibles you buy because they still look like cartoon characters yeah, they're stylized so there's there's that stylization i think that talks to it whereas um the princess in shrek Try, they try to make her look like a real human being, mm -hmm. and it kind of backfired a little bit because it, it travels into the uncanny valley of creepiness. And I think you're right. You hit earlier on that frame of reference of what we know, and as you look back at past things, um, it's harder to suspend your disbelief, having just rewatched uh, Star Wars Episode One: Phantom Menace, and Star Wars Episode Two: Attack of the Clones. And uh, there are sequences in there that don't hold up. That are CG. Mm. I remember in high school loving the Yoda Dooku battle in Episode Two, and it just doesn't it doesn't work now at all. And uh, Aladdin also, which is fun because it's all animated, hand animation and CGI. Right. With the um, very famous and very expensive and very ahead of its time Escape from the Cave of Wonders, with the uh, lava flowing and it's like the hand animated. Aladdin on the carpet in a CG cave with lava coming after him. And it just, that doesn't work. Even in animation, I can't suspend my disbelief there just because of how bad it looks now. I know, I'm sorry. I like, That's I love okay. Aladdin. I'm just, just going to pout a little bit and, and remember it. Yeah. And there are things that they do well in live action with no animation. I'll hold up. Um, this is a family friendly broad broadcast. Podcast. Podcast. Podcast broadcast. That's what I'm looking for. Broad City Cast. Um, also not family friendly. <laughs> but this is a family friendly podcast, so I'm not saying you should watch this, but it is a really good movie. But Alien really holds up because it still <laughs> looks good. Sure. <laughs> That's a point. It is a point. And mm -hmm. I think a lot of it is knowing... There's the idea of technology and how far our tech, physical technology is towards believability. Mm -hmm. So you end up in you know the 1920s, the 1930s of going as far as their technology can take them mm -hmm. and making it as real 
um, and not trying to transcend what the technology is able to accomplish at that time. Mm-hmm. I think Final Fantasy and some of those tried to push it further than it could go. Mm-hmm. Now, that being said, you end up with some beautiful things when you push it and say, look, I want to rub up against these rules and say no to every limit that you're saying. Mm-hmm. And you get like Roger, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, mm-hmm. which still does hold up. Mm-hmm. I agree. Suspending your disbelief. I still suspend my disbelief in believing that somewhere out there, there is a Toontown. <laughs> Because I saw it happen. I think it's at Disney World, actually. It's called Toontown. No, it's at Disneyland, and it's called Mickey's Toontown. Oh. And that's where Roger Rabbit's cartoon spin is. My bad. It's a fun ride. <laughs> I'm learning a lot. It is a fun ride. Graph time? Yes, graph time. Okay. Speak it. In addition to the Uncanny Valley, let's imagine an XY coordinate graph, where the X axis, the flat one at the bottom, if you're not a math person, um, <laughs> is our ability to... Um, or that's how real it is, with X being all the way at the left, the bottom left corner of the graph being completely real, live, live action movie, and all the way to the right being completely animated in just one type of animation, not a mix of things like Aladdin, CGI, and traditionally just one animation. So something like, give an example on on each end. Um, So um, live action might be I think the most boring movie I can think of. Oh, you know what? I love Mr. Holmes. I love Mr. Holmes. It's a small, very little thing. Mm-hmm. There's probably a little bit of CG in there, but it's a lot of makeup on Ian McKellen. Uh, but it's a very... Grounded. It's grounded, and you suspend your disbelief through costumes and things like that rather than faking things. It's grounded in our world, and we know those rules. Versus all the way on the other end, completely animated, basically anything we talk about on this podcast. Okay. Cool. And the y-axis, the vertical up-down one. Up-down. Up-y-down-y. Mm-hmm. The bottom of that is um, how suspended our disbelief is. And the top is the most suspended disbelief, I guess. So the bottom is zero suspension. The top is most suspended. So zero is not believing at all. Mm-hmm. And the top is, oh, yeah, I totally buy that. Mm-hmm. Without okay. any having to think about it. Your brain just goes, okay, cool. All right. Um, and on this graph, we just have a uh, diagonal line starting from the bottom left corner of no suspension of disbelief and completely live action all the way up to the, okay, I'm in and completely animated in one way. Okay. Because when you're looking at animation, if you're watching Lord of the Ring, they don't have anything good in there. Um, Harry Potter, Harry Potter. And they cast a spell. And you go, you can't do that in real life, but this is a movie. So I'm going to accept that that's a rule of this world. Mm -hmm. And then in animation, you have um, gargoyles and the archmage casts a spell. And the spell is animated and drawn in the same style as everything else in that episode. You accept it as part of that world. You don't have to buy in that this is something special that's happening. And for an animator, it takes just as much effort to draw the spell as it does the person. Whereas in Harry Potter, you have to spend millions of dollars on making the CGI after you actually film the movie. Yeah. This is the um, graph of preposterosity. Is that what we were going to call it? I don't know. There are a couple of variations. The like you do graph. The we're going with it graph. Okay. So, and, and looking at where those shows, where those movies mm-hmm. land on that graph. And you have more freedom as a writer the more 
animated it is. And you can get more audience buy-in as to what those things are. Even in social contexts, like if you look at animation, uh, you have a lot of robots and magic things and aliens that are the henchmen who get blown up or die or get destroyed in some way, but not people. Right. And then you can have things like Zootopia where we talk about um, predator-herbivore relations and not talking about race relations. Because we're in a world where we can buy into this concept. Oh, yeah, of course, predators and prey need to talk about that. We don't have to think about our experience with race and diversity. Right. So you have more freedom as a writer on the far end in animation. And I would agree with that. But I think there are things in suspending our disbelief that how, how much is too much? How far is too far? Mm. Like, if you take us so far in this level... We don't buy certain things. Mm -hmm. So, for example, um, Star Wars. We don't. We buy in the world and everything about it. We don't buy that these two characters fell in love necessarily at a certain point. Like how f there's certain character things that then uh, it's like um, the, for me one of the big things was the end of Hook. Spoilers for the movie Hook. <laughs> so. The crocodile clock falls down and swallows Captain Hook, and Captain Hook disappears. And I talked to a lot of people and heard at the theater when I was little, they're like, what? Come on, that's just ridiculous. I'm like, so you were able to follow this whole world of a, a flying boy, a land where nobody grows up, a mermaids, you're able to have Tinkerbell, and she grows, and... Peter Pan himself and these pirates fighting these children and like all of this you're fine with. And then you get to this point of pff, a dead crocodile can't swallow hook. Forget all the magic that's happened before that you've lost me. So it's like, so where did people crock it? Well, wow. right. Where do you call croc on it? Is this the, the animated version of jumping the shark? Yeah. We're calling croc. Yeah. <laughs> Where, this where, is going to be the word we coined this episode. Where did you crock it? I crocked it at. <laughs> exactly. I think it works. At 2130. <laughs> uh, and kind of going back to Star Wars as well, if you're not following the rules of the universe, Star Wars, like the infamous croc moment there is midichlorians. Hmm. Hmm. That's like Star crocked. Wars, Star Wars, Star Wars, Star Wars. Why are you putting science in my Star Wars? Midichlorians? That's just dumb. The croc moment. <laughs> yeah. They crocked it at they that point. It. They crocked it up. Now, can you uncrock it? Probably. <laughs> probably uncrock it. Yeah. But in your fanon. In your fanon, you could probably find a way to uncrock it. I uncrocked it, my fanon. Uncrock the crock. But <laughs> let's get into our example. Yeah, let's, let's talk example. about the crock moments and how maybe you can uncrock DuckTales. Season 1, Episode 9, Armstrong. So I think we all know what DuckTales is. You can catch this episode um online at Disney, videos.disney.com. You could probably find it there. Um, you could also buy DVDs. I bought mine at Costco, which is nice. So go Costco for having DuckTales DVDs. DuckTales! Um, I don't. I'm, woo. Ooh. There. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to sing A right spoken now. word rendition of the DuckTales <laughs> theme song. DuckTales. A woo-hoo. 
in Armstrong, what happens? We we end up. <sighs> what doesn't happen? <laughs> I know. We start <laughs> off with Scrooge McDuck on his gold train. It's not made of gold, but it's what's carrying his gold. Mm. Um, and he starts talking about how lovely gold is, and he's yeah. playing checkers with gold. Mm -hmm. And I get our first croc moment of this. But before we get into that, Duck tells the story of Scrooge McDuck, the richest duck in the world, um, and his nephews, Huey, Dewey, and Louie. Mm -hmm. All of these people are ducks. Mm -hmm. So right away, suspend your disbelief that Talking ducks are a thing. Mm -hmm. Great. It's fine. It's animated. I'm in. Yeah, there's a whole I'm society. Good. Who cares that none of them are wearing pants? Let's just go with it. Oh, they're not. None of them are, except oh, no. for Launchpad. Yeah, Launchpad McQuack wears pants. Right. All the dogs wear pants. All the dog people wear pants, but no, but a lot of the ducks don't. That's racist. No. <laughs> I think there's something about feathers versus fur that may be a rule of the world. I don't know. I think I crocked our podcast just now. <laughs> so, but uh, we we buy that already. We already have to we already have to buy in that this world has talking ducks. We're good, um, and they could own things and have huge trains that carry huge amounts of gold on them from some unknown place to another unknown place for some unknown reason. Right. I don't know why they're on this train, but they're playing checkers. And he's playing it with gold, and they're playing it with their pieces. And they they crock it right away because there are pieces that are on the wrong colored squares. And he makes these moves that are completely impossible. I got really angry just now. You did. Why well, had a professor in college talk about this and how um, he was an acting professor and talked about a performance that he gave uh, where one person came up and afterward and said, like, you had a good performance, except the entire time you held your cigarette wrong, and I couldn't get into it, and that just annoyed me. Mm -hmm. You're breaking the rules of the universe, and when you make an obvious break, someone focuses on that, like Chris and the rules of checkers. Yep, uh, you lost me, Scrooge. From the you crocked it at the very beginning. It's like ten seconds in, too. I know that's not that's not how checkers works. Look at your board. Your board's not even set out correctly. This is your favorite show. I love Ducktales so much. Are you much. sure? Are you I sure? do. I love it. That's why I'm getting so upset at this crocking at that moment. Oh, crocked it. Moving I guess on. it's like me and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. when they use the Apple Watch in a way that the Apple Watch doesn't work. Yeah. Like, oh, okay. Maybe it's a special kind of Apple Watch. Too familiar with the rules of it. <laughs> of both. Yeah. <laughs> Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Apple Watch. <laughs> Um, so wh where else, what's the next croc moment? Where does this episode lose you? <laughs> I know where it loses me a couple times. Okay. So, well, getting on with this, they end up being stranded because there's an avalanche. Mm -hmm. um, and in the Launchpad McQuack comes to save them and is unable to save them. But their distress call is heard by Gyro Gearloose, who comes in a helicopter and saves them with his new robot helper, Armstrong. Mm -hmm. And Armstrong uh, is able to move the rocks away and help get the gold train back to Duckburg. Mm -hmm. Yay, every, everybody's fine. And they hire Armstrong to do everything, um, to clean the car, to serve hot cocoa, mm -hmm. to do everything more efficiently. 
Um, and as you would expect, things go horribly, horribly wrong. Mm -hmm. And I'm sort of into it until this point. I've already been crocked by the fact that Gyro invents this robot helper with no previous robotics experience, and there's nothing in this world to suggest that this would be a next logical step in technology. Sure. And Armstrong as a helper works fine. And then suddenly Scrooge asks Armstrong to help him run his business more efficiently. And in a very subtle way that made me laugh, he lays off his entire business staff in a fade to black moment. <laughs> I have an announcement to make! And then the entire staff is gone and Armstrong is running it. But this, the next crock for me is Armstrong. The horrible nature of, yeah. of that. Yeah. <laughs> Very Scrooge. <laughs> and Armstrong just stands in this room full of empty desks and not even like computers because it's the 80s. Manual calculators. And Armstrong looks at calculators and zaps them with eye beams so they start calculating on their paper. And he's controlling the manual calculators through some kind of magic eye beam technology science. Like, why would you program this robot with this if he's programmed to be a helper? Right. And things just get more crazy from there. He's, he's able to control any kind of technology. Yes. Whether it should be controlled or, <laughs> or, not. or not. He controls toys, he controls other things, and he becomes... Uh, he steals all the money from the money bin for himself. Mm -hmm. I believe... I don't know if he's going to melt it down and make an army or... Why does the robot want money? Uh, he, I don't know. He could. He, maybe he can't manipulate accounts. Um, but he comes off about as believable in creation and in plan slash motive as the villain Ultron mm -hmm. in Age of Ultron, Avengers Age of Ultron. Yeah. And it so, keeps manifesting new powers. If you want to understand Age of Ultron, you need to see... It's Armstrong. precursor. It's precursor. One might say they just ripped it off entirely. Uh, yeah, they just watched the episode Armstrong, the DuckTales episode Armstrong, and said, hmm, if <laughs> the one thing that we can improve on this story is giving Ultron a great voice. I would watch a DuckTales reboot with Robert Downey Jr. as Scrooge McDuck. Or Launchpad. No, I think Chris Evans is Launchpad. Chris Evans? No, get Chris Pratt! Chris Pratt as Launchpad McQuarrie. Yes. Okay. Fixed it. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag fixing it. So, but uh, there's there's just so much. Uh, the idea of Launchpad being a hero at all. Um, so, I, there's the checkers thing where they crock it. But then they crock it moments later when Launchpad lands on top of the train. Mm-hmm. Yes. And ends up in the, the engine's tender where the coal is, because I know my train parts. Also, the whole thing with Launchpad being a bad pilot and then a good pilot. Like, he's either the best pilot or the worst pilot at any given moment of the show. Whenever it it's necessary for the story. Yeah. I believe once he's high up enough, <laughs> I, I'm glad I said high up. Once you reach a certain altitude, he's good? He's great. Okay. <laughs> I was going to say once Launchpad gets high enough. No, no, but no. I said high up. The up fixes the sentence. And yet sentence. you still said high enough. I'm telling <laughs> you why I needed to add the word up. That's what I'm trying to do. So they crock it multiple times in this episode. Um, and all, all the way going through the part where they telegraph what they were going to do at the end, where Launchpad becomes the accidental hero. 
mm-hmm. um, at the end by pulling a lever on the plane, uh, his crop duster, because mm-hmm. it can't be controlled mm-hmm. by ultra, uh, sorry, Armstrong. <laughs> um, so he pulled the lever and the water lands on him and he falls apart. Um, <laughs> Which is another crock moment because he already dumped his water in one previous thing, and I don't believe there's multiple containers of water. No, I don't believe on this so. airplane. Um, but yeah, he dumped his water, and they crashed on the, the satellites and everything. And but it, earlier in the episode, he saves. Um, there's a fo- forest fire which he stops accidentally by his his um, scarf getting caught on the lever to pull at the exact time to be able to put the fire out. So I was like, oh, so he's accidentally going to save them somehow later on. I didn't realize it was going to be exactly the same way, the exact same thing. Oops, pull this lever, water on Armstrong, Mm. everything. Yeah, It's always water. Yeah. The answer is always water. If you have a villain, dump water on them. That should be, I want to see- Wicked Witch of the West. I want to see that movie. Armstrong. I I want to the see aliens from Signs. I want to see that movie where there's like wizards and witches and stuff, and somebody grabs a cup of water and throws it in someone's face, and like, oh, I really thought that would work, and like run. <laughs> Why didn't that work? Hashtag trademark. Yeah, that's ours. Okay. So that being said, <laughs> you're suspending your disbelief. What was your favorite moment from the episode, if you have one, croc or otherwise? I think my favorite moment was when Armstrong is suddenly Skynet for some reason and is controlling all the satellites. Oh, right. Yeah. 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 I don't know why that happened. Yeah. Or what was going on. Why do we have to know he stopped controlling satellites? Was he controlling them in the first place? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. (laughs) My favorite moment is um, where... They finally defeated Armstrong, and now the force field, because they have force fields at the jail cell that where they're holding Scrooge. Powered by um, incandescent light bulbs. Right. <laughs> <laughs> where that force field seems to go down, and Scrooge like carefully puts his um, leg out to test it to see if it's gone. And then he does this little hop dance back and forth. Canada, America, Canada, <laughs> like, America. Oh, I'm okay. I'm still alive doing this hopping dance. And then they cut it right when he's about to land again. Like, it's uh, that little hopping, I think I'm okay dance is my favorite thing in a episode of many things that are worthy of praise. <laughs> yes, we spent an episode trying to talk about the suspension of disbelief, and we've only talked about ways where it didn't work. Well... Here's one thing about the worlds: it's the characters I completely buy. It's the some of the events that we don't. Ooh, I think I got it. I just here's a good note to end on. Got it. I think suspension of disbelief works best when you can do it in one moment and infer what the rules are from the rest of it. Avatar: The Last Airbender. Oh, there's an Airbender. I wonder if there are Earthbenders too. You can infer the rules of the universe from that one moment of suspension of disbelief. As Hmm. opposed to an Armstrong suddenly having newer and newer and more powerful things that have just materialized out of nowhere and breaking the rules that have been established. By trying to establish new ones Mm -hmm. the next second. Yeah. Hmm. So it took us... I don't know. 45 minutes to get there. But I I think that's part of it. But I also think that character 
is one of the more important things. Mm. And a show like Steven Universe, we buy that universe because of character. I wasn't trying to be... It's Steven's universe. So. Anyway. Anyway. Homework time? For homework, go home and watch the entire history of animation from the 1960s until now. Yep. Just a small assignment. Just just go watch everything yeah. you possibly can. From this 1960s is finals week. Forward. Just cram. Yeah. Cram it. Yeah, cram it all in. So. Awesome. Cool. Um, as always, thank you to Jacob Reed for our music and Nigel Cotino for our engineering. And um, find us on the web on Twitter at WG Animated on Tumblr, writersgetanimated.tumblr.com and facebook.com slash WG Animated. Mm-hmm. So. Beep, boop. Beep, boop. Beep, boop. Boop. I'm going to go put on my suspenders of disbelief now. Yeah, you go do that. Good night, everybody.